brought back in. We started a series last week um, talking about fighting the enemy. And um, really, I'm just still kind of reviewing. Maybe next week or the week after, we're going to get into the first enemy. But um, the emphasis on this whole series is on what God expects us to do. That he expect what, he, what God expects us to do for ourselves, not on the things that we desire God to do for us. And if we can read through the Word, God has done it all. God has equipped us. God sent His Son. His Son then went, went back to the Father, then sent the Holy Spirit to us. We have the Lord with us. He has equipped us to be successful, to have victory here on earth. He has done it. But so many times, we are looking for our deliverance to come through some bolt of lightning. I've prayed for a bolt of lightning. Have you? Lord, just rid me of this. And that's happened. That can happen. God can do a miracle. But most of the time, when we're stuck in the pig pen, because we have gone to the pig pen, and we have chosen to go to the pig pen, and we have had a time with the pigs, he equips us, empowers us, strengthens us, and gives us a way out from the pigs. But we've got to walk it out. Uh, If you remember, Elizabeth a couple weeks ago talked about there is no elevator to success, only the stairs. You got to take the stairs. There's not an elevator. I'd like the elevator or the escalator would, would do fine. But unfortunately, or fortunately, we've got to work. We've got to move. We've got to, if you remember, the prodigal came to himself and said, I will return to my father. Now, it's one thing to come to yourself and say it. It's another thing to then humble yourself and go home. And I believe what this series is about is us humbling ourselves and going home, finding out what God has said should be in our hearts, should be on our land, and how he has equipped us to run those enemies off. Because I believe you're going to see through this series, you do have enemies in your land. In your land. We must never go to battle without the Lord. Ever. And we can't expect the Lord to go to battle without us. The Lord is with us. He is in us. When we go to battle, as long as we are taking God with us, as long as we are allowing the Word of God to lead us in His will, His desire, and His Spirit, you know what happens? He goes with us. When we leave Him behind, He doesn't. We get there and we try to battle on our own and then ask God to dig us out of it. Let's don't work that way anymore. Let's work God's way at the front end. The key to receiving this message is to keep your eyes, church, keep your eyes on the kingdom of God within you. The kingdom of God is here. Do you know why? Because the kingdom of God is in you. If we can grasp that, if we can grasp that, we cannot externalize this war and listen to this message to figure out why the president or why our pastor or our spouse has got it all wrong. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the enemies in us 
and join with the Lord in delivering our land from all the giants that dwell there. God has promised us a land that flows with milk and honey. And all we've got to do is drive out the enemies in order to possess it. He has given us dominion, but we have given that dominion away. Okay, so that's all the recap from last week. All right, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Sorry, Blake, I think I, or Blake, uh, what is your name? Mikey. Um, I uh, didn't exactly get that right back there, but Mikey knew who I was talking about. Blake, uh, Blake is one of our other video guys that lives in that sound booth also. and So thankful for them. Amen. All right. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, I want you to catch something here. He hasn't destroyed the devil. He's, just, he's destroyed the works of the devil. There is going to come a time when Christ returns and will take care of Satan. But that time hasn't come. Right? We're all battling demonic forces. When Jesus walked the earth with, with his disciples, he constantly had to deal with their inability to understand the true nature of the kingdom of God. Even though he told them over and over and over, disciples, the kingdom of God is within you, they kept waiting for him to set up a natural kingdom. And I can see that. Can't you, couldn't you imagine if you'd had the promised son coming, the son of God coming, that when he came, he was just going to take care of everything and it was just going to be great. He was going to set up his kingdom and things were just going to be perfect. And instead it wasn't that way. He established his kingdom in us. It wasn't a kingdom like they were used to with thrones, even though there is a throne, with all these rulers, even though there are. Even to the point that they even said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? These Christians, and that includes us so many times, are waiting for the Lord to return and set up a natural kingdom. They don't believe that he has already done it within us. But that we were commanded to occupy that kingdom. There will be a day when the natural kingdom of this earth, that the Lord will physically come and establish that throne. That doesn't change the fact that Jesus came already to destroy the works of the devil. Although the actual destruction to Satan himself will come later. I've read the, I've read the end of the book. Right? Jesus spoke in a parable to his disciples in Luke, and we're going to look at it for just a minute. And I hope it kind of uh, gives you a little bit different perspective of this scripture. He taught this particular parable immediately after the establishment of the, of the kingdom in a man called Zacchaeus. Now, we're not going to talk about the story of Zacchaeus. We're going to talk about the parable that came after it. But the disciples needed instruction because he was nearing Jerusalem and this was the time that Jesus' time on the earth was about to end. 
and because they were still looking for Jesus to establish an external kingdom in their lifetime. Luke chapter 19, verse 11. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to this. We're going to be in Luke 19 tonight. And I want to re-encourage, bring your Bible, because it'll go home with you. These screens won't go home with you. Can I encourage you? Take the Word with you. And I don't mean just walk around with your Bible. I mean the Word that you get tonight, take it with you. Talk about it. Chew on it. Discuss it. Uh, meditate on it. Like a cow, I've used this description before for meditate, like a cow chews cud. It eats, it regurgitates it, and it chews on it some more. That is just what we are to do with the Word. Something's going to jump out at you tonight. Luke 19. So he called ten of his servants, delivered them ten manas, and said to them, Do business till I come. But his citizen citizen hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man reign over us. Now, before we get into this, notice that there are three distinct, three distinct entities in this parable. First is the nobleman. The nobleman is Jesus, who came from a far country, and it was a couple verses before, who came from a far country, which is heaven. Okay, remember, this is a parable. Jesus, who came from a far country, heaven, to receive a kingdom, to receive a kingdom before returning to that country for a season. So, first was the nobleman. Second, there was the nobleman's servants. And we all know who that is, right? Who would be Jesus' servants? Us, Jesus' followers. That's us. That's the believers who have accepted his rule over them and have been given a part of the nobleman's possessions. The nobleman came, the master came, and gave some of his possessions to his people. Right? Are you with me so far? Okay, straight out of the word. And with these possessions, he was told to go and occupy that kingdom. What was the word exactly? Um, Do business until I come. Take what I've given you and do business until I come. Finally, there were those people who refused to accept the reign of the nobleman over them. This would be the unsaved. Even though they were citizens of the kingdom that he had received from his father. Okay, Luke 19 verse 15. Next scripture. We're going to go all the way, Mikey, until verse 27. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Verse 16. Then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Then another came, said, Master, here's your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an oster man. You collected what you did not deposit, and you reap what you do not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth I will judge you. And he said to him, out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an oster man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money 
in the bank that I might have come that at my coming I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the to him who has ten. But they said to him, Master, he has ten. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Verse 27. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. (laughs) Keep in mind the purpose that the Bible records for Jesus teaching this parable to his disciples. Even after they have been following him for three years, they were still expecting Jesus to destroy the unbelievers and to set up a physical kingdom. You know they'd been reading the Word. You know that the Word had, had, uh, the Old Testament, we had the Psalms, David talking about gnashing of teeth and the Lord strike them down. Yeah, when Jesus comes, he's going to knock them dead. Can you imagine? Here he comes. Here's the Son of God. Now I'm waiting for the thunderbolt to happen. When, is we, when are we going to see some fried, unsaved people? Right? I mean, Elijah called down fire and people blew up and earths opened up and, okay, Jesus is here. What I'm trying to say is it's not out of, we don't need to think the, the disciples were... Um, deranged they just had these expectations we so many times have these expectations of the Lord just going and frying our enemy and us just waking up in the morning and it's gone how many of you know the challenges that you have are there in the morning they're there sometimes and I have had I'll I'll give you one uh, testimony of my life I prayed that the Lord would deliver me from a profane, having a profane mouth. And I don't know if I just didn't notice him changing me or if I just woke up one morning. And those thoughts, I, I had different thoughts. Now, I still have to replace this word with that word. I can still sometimes think. How many of you ever think and you have to stop your mouth and then, then you, hopefully you say the right thing? Sometimes, sometimes you don't. I mean, I still slip up. Those of you that are very close to me know I, I slip up. I'm not perfect. I've never claimed to be perfect. But the Lord really did a miracle in my life. I worked at Express Lube around a bunch of roughnecks, and I was one of them. And uh, listen, they didn't have anything on me. They didn't rub off on me. If anything, I rubbed off on them. And, uh, you know, the Lord can completely deliver you. But I believe that deliverance came because of my desire for his will to be done in my life. And uh, I had to seek after him, and I had to fill. I was filling my heart with the wrong thing. And when I started filling my heart with the right thing, I believe he, he can do a miracle. Now, most of the other challenges I've had in my life, I have had to fight. I have to fight them. I literally have to fight. It is a war. Um, sin is at our doorstep. And if we're not careful, it will come in sometimes without us even knowing it. So, for these disciples, 
to expect one thing and see something different. I mean, that's what Christ was doing the whole time, was coming to say, wait a minute, you've gotten this whole thing wrong. Let me show you the way that it is. And it did not always match what we were used to, right? But he also... He also made it clear that he expected his servants to take part of the kingdom that he gave them to occupy by extending it and increasing it. That's what we see from this scripture, that what the Lord has given us, he does not want us to sit on. He wants us to do business with. He wants us, now now you may say, what does that mean? We go out here into the business world? No, he wants us to do kingdom business with what he's given us. What he has given you, he expects you to increase. He expects you to get out here and get to work with what he has given you. Because he's going to come back and take account of what he's given you. The greatest reward came to that servant who took the most ground in the process of occupying the land that the Lord had given him. You know, it, talked, it looked like he was talking about money and then he starts talking about cities. I believe that we can take our city. And I don't mean city, I mean cities, but the first thing we've got to do is take our city. I don't believe we can take ten cities, I think we can take one. And after taking one, we take two, and after two, we take three. And next thing you know, we can take more, but we've got to take ours. Husbands, we've got to take our homes. Who cares about a city when we've lost our home? The servant who interpreted the Lord's intention in, them, in the turn to occupy his meaning only to keep that which he had received, he was rebuked and was not only rebuked, but he was called wicked. Satan wants the church to fall into the ditch on either side of the, of the path that the Lord has laid out for us. On one side, there's well-meaning believers who want to fight and maintain to fight to maintain and expand the Lord's kingdom but do it in the flesh there are those that are quick to draw the sword and cut off the ear and call down fire from heaven upon those that oppose the Lord Jesus never one time called down fire and fried a guy Jesus forgave him the ones that were the worst to him He forgave them. While they were crucifying him, he cried out to the Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then, because look at at Luke 17 verse 20. We've got to keep in mind that it says that now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God is within you. Even after the Lord's resurrection, his disciples were still carnal and still were seeking this physical kingdom. If Jesus wanted that kind of kingdom, do you know he could have called down legions of angels and just took out the Romans? He could have just called it down. But on the other side are those believers that are content to sit on their salvation and wait until the return of the Lord. 
They believe that the whole kingdom was handed to them when they received the Lord and that they are expected to just try to stay saved until the rapture. Now, how many of us can relate to that? Lord, I'm just hanging, just hanging on. Um, you know, I, I, not in the same light, but I kind of think with my, my kids getting of age and thinking of going to college and driving and dating, I'm like, Lord, just, just please just come. Won't you just come? Why wouldn't you just come? I mean, you, 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 you would have died just for me. Now, I got one more request. Just, just go ahead and come. Come now. The funny thing is, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I don't know how I could have ever said that. And don't ever tell this boyfriend that I said that. But it's not as bad. In fact, it's good. It, it's right for my 17-year-old daughter to be beautiful and want to date and grow up. And I hate it. And I love it. And I hate it. And I love it. But God, is, God has got such a great plan. He's got such a great plan. But sitting and trying to stay saved, how, how, is, how is that living? That's not living. And these have never even tried to drive out an enemy from their land because they believe that the Lord will do it all for them. But as usual, the, the truth is somewhere in between. Jesus handed us that one pound of a, human, of a saved human spirit expecting us to occupy our land by making the enemies our footstool. How many of you know, now I was saved at five, so if you were saved maybe as an adult, we, we're not going to have exactly the same story. But at five years old, I wasn't an alcoholic and doing drugs, and you know, I, wasn't, I, hadn't, I wasn't at that point. I never was an alcoholic, but I have, I have had my challenges, but not at five. Those of you that may have gotten saved at a little bit later date, can you, when you got saved and you walked that aisle and the Lord saved you, did you not go home and face those challenges? They were still there. The Lord saved you. The Lord got you on the right path. And it begins an equipping for you to go home and have victory over those challenges that, you've ha that you have never been able to have victory over. Some of you are saved today and are still battling some of those childhood demons that you cannot get rid of. Well, I want you to know, just like when we went through blessings and curses, if you will hang in there with me, we are going to battle and we're going to win. It's time to drive off the spirit of fear. Uh, that's where we're going to be going with greater in a couple weeks. God did not give you that spirit of fear. That is not something you have to live with. That is not something that is normal for you to have to live with. You've lived with it your whole life, so you're used to them. It's like husbands and wives waking up next to your spouse. You're used to them. You're used to their sounds. You're used to what time they wake up. You're used to what they do. You're used to their smell. You're used to their, you're used to them. You know when they're in the bed, even when you're asleep, and you know when they're gone. But the problem is we've allowed these enemies to become that familiar and we just live with them. And one of the biggest ones is the spirit of fear. 
Well, you do not, number one, you don't have to. Number two, you're commanded to take authority over your life. You have been given the power to drive that spirit of fear out. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to uh, waste my whole greater series because I'm going to tell you, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but we know the scripture, but of power and love and sound mind. But that's not exactly what it says. That's how I quote it. That's how I remember it. But as I've been studying, he has given us a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of a sound mind. I can have a sound mind for a moment. But that spirit of a sound mind stays with me. That ability to have a sound mind. And let's go another step farther. Scripture tells me I have the mind of Christ. I, I believe it's, I've been given the spirit of a sound mind, which is the spirit of Christ. The Christ's spirit, his mind. I, I, I have been given Christ. So fear, I, I'm, I don't think you're supposed to be here. I once had a friend of mine come to me and said, I, I think I experienced a demon I, in, in my room. and um, like, yeah, okay. And listen, I'm not one that just starts casting out demons right away. I'll... I don't over-spiritualize stuff. Sometimes I, you know, I've got my wife to do that. I've got my mom to do that. My mom and my wife are good at, at uh, uh, I, I, but my statement was, okay, we'll pray about it. What were you watching? And it was some terrible horror flick. Man, horror movies are from the pit of hell. And I watched them as a kid. And you think that's cool and it's, what kids do, but it's stuff that I still, if I, watch, if I don't watch it, that, that demon can creep right back in on me. I hate bad dreams. I hate them. But I just asked, what were you watching? I said, okay, we're going to pray, but quit watching that. It's like people that wake up with a stomach ache. Well, you don't have a demon. What'd you eat? <laughs> oh, well, give that a day. That'll go away. I'm not a doctor, but what'd you eat? Oh, you fed yourself that. What are you taking in? What's coming in your ears? What's going in your eyes? A spirit of pornography? You, you've, got, you've, got the, you've got the door open, and you need to close the door. Close the door, and then let's deal with that demon. Once it gets to your eyes, especially men, it's almost impossible for us to get rid of it. That's what we're driving off. The Lord gave you this mina. The Lord gave you his spirit and, start, and said, now, go take the nations. You know what nation that means? Yours. Take your nation. You take your home. You take your heart. You're going to be a viable warrior to take your church. A viable warrior to take your workplace. To take your high school. To take your college to take your city. But the problem is, we haven't taken care of the spirit of fear in our own life. The spirit of rejection. What, what things have you got in your life that need to go? And do you know, it gets so hard to, to separate between this, the 
It's easy for us to identify the physical enemies that we have, but the spiritual, the down deep. Look at what it says in Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and make your whole spirit, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. This one mina that the nobleman gives us, we've got to choose to submit to the Lord, of the, to the Lord and then we are expected to expand and rule and reign. We're expected to rule and reign with Christ in our lives through the salvation of our souls and of our bodies. We've got to drive out these enemies from the Lord's kingdom within us, cleansing us of all filthiness of the flesh as well as the sanctification of our soul realm, which, which exists in our mind, our will, and our emotions. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. When we give our lives to Christ at the time of our salvation, the Holy Spirit starts working right away, driving out these enemies. And he begins with the outer court through the cleansing of our flesh. By convicting us to Hebrews 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, by convicting us to let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Who has to lay aside it? Who lays it aside? Us. Before sin had the power over us. We were bound with chains, being led to the slaughter by Satan himself. When we got saved, those chains came off. But we've still got these things around us. We've got friends, we've got addictions, we've got things in our life that we have got to now lay aside. Now we have the ability, we have the power because of Christ to lay that sin aside. All of a sudden, that sin has lost its power. Doesn't mean you're not still tempted to, tempted to do it. Doesn't mean you may even still have a physical addiction to it. But now Christ has given you the power over that. We have to lay it aside. It even says this is our reasonable service. He expects us to occupy his temple until he comes. We are commanded to expand the salvation of our spirit to include the deliverance of our bodies from all of our enemies. He says to make our bodies a living sacrifice. To, to, once we become saved, we are now equipped and it is part of our walk to try to clean ourselves up by the blood of Jesus. By walking out his word. He washes us. He cleanses us. By his word. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by the very word of God. As we start to live out the word, the word washes us. A living sacrifice. We've got to rule over our flesh with food, with sleep, with exercise, alcohol, tobacco, drugs, sex, sickness. Present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Romans 6, 12, and I'm almost done. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Now, why would he say that if he hadn't equipped us? 
God does not ask us to do something that we cannot be completely successful doing. He hasn't asked us to do something that is above our ability. His grace is sufficient for us. Whatever pressure we have, whatever pressure you're facing, you can get through. You may not think you can. What you think really isn't the main point. The Lord tells us you can. The problem is we've lost belief. We've lost belief in ourself. We've lost belief in what is in us. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, um, fear, I got the Holy Spirit. I forgot. In Jesus' name, you get out. Wants to come back? No, get out. Wants to come back? Nope, get out. I rebuke you, spirit of fear, and I replace you. I'm going to get out the word, and Lord, I'm just going to read your word right now. And I just ask you to replace that spirit of fear with your word, with your love, with your spirit. I still feel it a little bit. All right. I still got a war a little bit more. I'm not going to bed with a spirit of fear. Because I don't have to. Because it's what I've been given. The Lord's promised me it. He's promised me good sleep. So in Jesus' name, I don't care what age I am. I don't care what's going on with my body. I don't care. The Word says you're going to give your children good sleep. Okay. I've been struggling. All right. Good. What am I struggling with? Lord, how does your Word line up with that? Okay. You kind of get your mindset. Can I encourage you? You need to know the Lord. You struggling with your sleep? I think somebody's here tonight that's struggling with their sleep. I encourage you to get to know the Lord. And as you lay down, you lay down with the Lord. You start speaking scriptures. You, start, you, 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 get, you get your ammo. And let's, let's just believe right now. I just pray for good sleep. Good sleep. Give us good sleep, Lord. Your word has promised us good sleep, good rest. Lord, we, I just speak over this congregation the rest of the Lord. Lord, you are Jehovah. Um, shalom. You are the Lord, our peace. And Lord, even though the storms may be going crazy all around us, Lord, that storm will submit to your word, and we speak to that storm. Peace, be still. You be still, storm. You can't rob my sleep. My sleep's been given to me by God, and, by God and, and, and the pastor's been saying nothing can get on his side. He's greater than everything. Okay. Spirit of fear, I'm just going to battle you right now too. You be gone out of this congregation. We rebuke you in Jesus' name. You, God, that has not come from you. And if it hasn't come from you, then it's come from the wrong one. And we rebuke you, Satan, in Jesus' name. Freedom from the spirit of fear. Present ourselves a living sacrifice. Don't, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of the unrighteous to sin. Don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. The salvation of the soul or the cleansing of the inner court of God's temple sometimes is a tough thing. 
For one thing, the enemies of the flesh are easier to identify. We can easily distinguish between our bodies and our spirit, but it takes the Word of God to be able to separate between the soul and the spirit. That's what we're after. Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divisions of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and, its discerner of the, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You don't even know what your intent of your heart is. It takes the Word to show you what that is. We can be completely deceived to think we have a good heart, and we don't. Believe me, I want truth of what's in my heart. We've got to submit to the Word of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in order to identify these enemies. The purpose of this message is to flush out or flesh out the enemies of your land so you can begin to drive them out. Two scriptures and I'm done. James 1, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. 1 Peter 1, 9, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray that grace would come to us. The grace of God would just cover us. Just plead the blood of Jesus right now that we would begin to have victory over these enemies before we ever discuss them. That, Lord, that your word says that you will lead us and guide us into all truth. And if we will just start looking for you, you will start identifying these issues. You will start driving these forces out of our land if we will start looking for you. If we will start walking with you. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us your spirit, that we have your Holy Spirit. Let us not reject that, but Lord, let us be filled with your spirit, overflowing. Bless your holy name, Lord, for you are worthy. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Sorry I kept you a little bit late, but uh, God bless you. Hope you all have the best week you've ever had.